Welcome back to Everything All at Once with your host, Francesca. Uh, So I've been hella active on Instagram, so everybody better be checking that out. Uh, Anyways, you know, last episode, you know, it got me down. It really got me upset. That's not what I want this podcast to be. That's not what I want this space to be. But, you know, this is what I was feeling at the moment. I'm going through it. We're getting to the other side. This episode, we're coming in with a little angst. We're a little angry. Uh, Before we get into self-help content, you know, is it helpful or harmful? I just want to give a quick life update. So, so far, three weeks post-op spinal fusion, still very much swollen, still very much cannot bend, lift, or twist, but a lot more mobile. Headspace is a lot better. Trying to get outside more, do activities and daily routine tasks that I wasn't able to do before just trying to be more grateful for everything that I can do at this moment and not so much focus on what I can't do right now because that is really easy anyways during this recovery I've had a lot of time to scroll on my phone at first I was constantly consuming content on my phone to just distract myself from the immense pain I was in When I first got home from the hospital, I was hyped up on Tylenol, a high dose of Motrin. I was extremely medicated, but still I had a lot of pain. And when I started slowly getting off the medication, that just led me to go on my phone even more because it was just an easy way to distract from the searing pain everywhere. For example, if I would walk too far, my hips would hurt so bad the next day I wouldn't be able to walk. And while I was scrolling, you know, obviously I'm on gym instagram i'm on book instagram because i don't have tiktok i do for this but i never post on it. i don't know maybe i should but a lot of it was a lot of content i noticed started to become self-help and what i mean by self-help is any content that's promoting some sort of product some sort of advice They're giving you something that they believe is going to better your life and better everybody's lives who watch it. And after, you know, consuming enough of this content, I'm just, I got curious and I started debunking it all. But before that, I went into an extreme rabbit hole of 18,000 green juices I needed to try and pasta with cottage cheese because my health is going to raise supreme if I just put cottage cheese on everything. Can we stop that? We have to stop. It's gone way too far. There's no need for cottage cheese to be in everything. You know, I love it. I love it with fruit. I love it. I even tried it on toast because I got that bored. We're crossing a line. We got to shut it down. But anyways, it falls in the category of, you know, $100 skincare products and all of these walks I need to take and these morning meditation sessions I need to have to feel my best self. And, you know, before we get into the actual episode, I want to start doing this thing called a hot minute. And a hot minute will be a segment where we sort of address some of the pop culture that I've engulfed this week, because even though I'm trying not to be on my phone, I'm still on it. And There are just some things I would like to talk about. So first of all, the interview with Drake, 
and this girl named Bobby. She is I tried watching it, but I I don't know. I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes because she just makes it so awkward that it's funny. I, I don't know. It just makes me cringe too bad. I'm just like, ah, like I'm scared for Drake and I'm scared for Bobby. I'm scared for both of them because I feel like I would say anything and she would just roast the fuck out of me. Some people or a lot of people are saying that she was just some sort of industry plant because she went viral so fast. And I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to think about it. Love to know what you guys think about the podcast. She just blew up out of nowhere. It's, I think it's called The Really Good Podcast. And she also did an interview with Lil Yachty after that. I'm curious to see where she goes from here. She just interviewed Drake on her bed. I love that. She was like, Drake, you can come to my house. We're not going to a studio. You can dress however you want. I'll be in my pajamas. And I'm just going to sit back on this bed and ask you, random questions I have scribbled on my hand. I love that. I think that breaking down the sort of professional notion of podcast is like making it casual again because I feel like everyone's in a studio. Would I love a studio? Of course. I have this jankety microphone from Amazon that maybe costs $30 because that's all I have to my name right now. But I just loved how casual it was. I think we need to bring that back. Also, you know, the Barbie movie. Big, big, big pop culture happening of the week. Unfortunately, I cannot sit for long enough to, without getting up, to actually watch a full movie. So I haven't been able to go to the theaters and see Barbie or Oppenheimer. Haven't been able to see both. But a lot of people are saying, it's just interesting. I've just been hearing a lot about how it was like a big cultural movement and this big powerful statement society that's not about feminism or misogyny it's about just gender roles as a whole I don't know I feel like I can't really speak on it because I haven't seen the movie it's something that intrigues me I would love to see the movie the soundtrack is fucking fire Tame Impala I don't it was just instrumental I loved it the speed drive song I I don't know I bop to it's fun Dua Lipa gets me every time I think whoever made the soundtrack is a genius because they stacked that shit. Will it ever be as good as Metro Boomin and the Spider-Verse soundtrack? No. No, no. But regardless, I think that the whole marketing is crazy. They're out of pink paint. The world has run out of pink paint. That's insane. I have never seen anything like this. On my walks, I walk past my local Narb like small movie theater and everybody is dressed in pink because the only movie that's showing there right now is barbie that's this is crazy my sister got all dressed up to see it i think it's amazing and i'm all for bringing the movies back i miss going to the movies okay not that i ever went anywhere but i feel like nobody really goes to the movies anymore because you have all the streaming services very understandable but the whole idea of dressing up, I haven't seen that in a long time. And it's great to have that back. And I also love that Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie both got paid $12 million and it was equal pay because I think if they didn't get paid equally and then that movie came out and then their pay discrepancy would come out, that would be really bad, really bad PR for the Barbie team. I don't think anyone would be watching I don't I think the obsession is starting to fade a little bit. 
I think, you know, I'm Ken enough, do not understand. I think I just need to watch the movie at this point because people come out of that movie crying and I've just seen so many emotional reactions. I'm like, what kind of crack shit did they put in this movie that everybody's crying? I don't know. And then Oppenheimer, three fucking hours, bye. The last three-hour movie I saw was Batman and then my friend yelled at me for falling asleep. I cannot sit through it. I will not sit through it. No, absolutely not. Will I watch 20 episodes of a show that add up to three hours? You bet your ass I will. And, you know, the last thing is that during these pop culture moments, I also realized that I'm a hyperfixator. I will hyperfixate on a song. I will hyperfixate on a show. I will hyperfixate on a podcast. I will hyperfixate on a breakfast. I will not be eating anything else for the next two months. I like a song. I will listen to it for two hours straight while I'm studying. Maybe that's just because I don't like change. I don't know. I don't know. My hyperfixation song right now is Speed Drive by Charlie XEX on the Barbie album and Telekinesis on Utopia. That's another pop culture moment. I'm sorry. I have to address Utopia. At first, I was like, what the fuck? I'm the biggest Travis Scott fan, right? I love Travis Scott. Been there since Astro World. Been there before that on the rodeo days. Days before rodeo. I've been waiting five years for this album. I listened to it and the my first thought was I was just confused. Did not understand the album at all. Did not comprehend what was going on, what I was listening to. Uh, I don't know. I was very confuzzled. And then I read about what the album was actually about. Listened to it again. Listened to it again. And now I can't stop playing it. So let me just explain. Let me break it down for you in case you were wondering what Utopia is about. So Utopia is this um, is this euphoric world of pure happiness, pure contentness. It's this imaginary place where you are just in pure bliss, right? It is some alternate universe. And during the first few songs, Travis is trying to find his utopia. He's trying to find his happy place. And Drake talks to a little girl at the end of one of the songs. I don't remember which. And she sort of brings him to Utopia. And then Travis goes to Utopia. Then the middle part of the album is him navigating his way through this universe, this alternate place. And throughout the album, he realizes that Utopia is individual. Everybody has their own priorities and qualities of life that make them happy. So everybody's going to have their own Utopia. And then the end of the album is where do you go once you find Utopia? Now that I understood that, listen to the lyrics again, I have more of appreciation for the album. Six minute songs, man, he was really testing my attention span because I thought I could not listen to one, but I've been playing telekinesis on repeat. I think it's genius. I don't know. The where do we go from here? All of the songs, now I understand the story behind them. I like them a lot more. And then also, there's the one song, Topia Twins. Shouldn't, I don't understand that song. I don't know why it's on there. I think it just has no contextual meaning. I don't know. And then when he was talking about supporting Kanye, I was like, oh, fuck this. You know, I'm, I can still like Travis Scott music and not support his political views. Let's just put that right there. I love the album. Don't like that he's like standing with Kanye on any level. Let's just put that out there because 
cannot be associated with that. Disgusting. I think Kanye is music is amazing. Uh, and then I, I saw this video also comparing Utopia to Kanye's Yeezus that came out in 2013. And then I saw a video of Kanye, you know, talking about he was making music for the future. And a lot of the tracks sound similar. And that was his sort of experimental album. I don't know. I went down a rabbit hole. I'm very into this. I can talk about Utopia all day. But that was today's pop culture hot minute. And I hope these little segments become more fun. And it brings more light into the podcast, more life, more of my personality than just talking about deep psychological concepts, which I can also talk about all day. But let's get on with self-help content. This content could also range from the green juices and all the health recipes to how to become a billionaire in two seconds and how to become a millionaire in five days, wake up at 5 a.m., do 8,000 push-ups, go on a run, then by 6 a.m. you've had a full day, nobody's even up yet. Those sort of videos, I also categorize them as self-help. And you're just, when I was scrolling, I was just consuming all of this in a row and it was extremely overwhelming. At some point I got sucked in and I was convinced that gratitude journaling was going to solve all of my problems. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a new journal, like fresh start. I'm going to focus on what I'm grateful for today. Meanwhile, I have the five-minute journal, the infamous five-minute journal in my room, and I haven't touched it since sophomore year. I maybe filled out five pages max. So once I realized that after an hour and a half of searching for the perfect gratitude morning journal, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to use this. I'm just going to be satisfied with what's in front of me. And I'm going to talk about that sort of decision process throughout the whole episode, but first we're going to talk about, you know, who are these creators? When we watch these videos, I don't think we're really watching it from the perspective of who they are. These, they're trying to ultimately sell you unrealistic solutions that may help you momentarily help you feel like you had some sort of control when you're in a situation that a lot is out of your control. And I think that's personally why I fell down the sort of gratitude journal rabbit hole, because I don't have any control in how fast my hips are not being swollen anymore, or how fast my scar heals, or how fast I don't have rib pain. I don't have control over that. Yes, I can walk and I'm doing all of the right recovery steps, but ultimately I can't make the process go any faster. So when I was looking through, you know, the journals and all the recipes, I had some sort of momentum. I got excited for the first time in like a few weeks. I said, okay, there are steps I can take. There are things I can do. I'm ready to move my life forward because it seems like I'm very stagnant. I'm not, I don't like going out a lot of places because I don't feel comfortable with myself right now, which is understandable as what I'm going through. But regardless, it helped me form some sort of control over a situation I don't. And the key in the previous sentence that I had said was sell. It may not seem like these people are business personas, entrepreneurs, but in reality, a lot of these self-help gurus are. It's harmful for me to be in a situation that I can't control, yes, but it's very harmful for our healing to fall for these traps. And it's exhausting 
trying a million different things to be our best selves. I was just spiraling and spiraling and I was just trying everything. I tried cottage cheese on toast. I tried going on this walk. I tried listening to this podcast. I was like, I'm done. I cannot try any more things. I'm not going to buy a subscription to your workout program because I can't even work out. I'm not going to pay for your audiobook on how to make money from home because I can't, I'm not going to do that. I know myself and I don't, I don't think it was helpful listening to all this, retaining all this information because when we consume this content, when we listen to this content, when we look at it, they have to inherently convince us or you have to be convinced in some capacity or maybe you just think that about yourself afterwards that something is wrong with you because the sort of language they use in these videos, some sort of hook, you know, want abs, want low cortisol levels, try this elixir or try this smoothie, buy this protein powder and it's 20 bucks plus shipping that I didn't even tell you about, but use my code for 20% off. Those are hooks. They're not really it doesn't give you the intention that they truly care about you. And why would they? These people are online trying to get their account boosted by followers. They're, I can't emphasize enough that it's more of a business than anybody trying to help you. And this might sound stupid, like, oh, obviously, you know, these people aren't trying to help me. They're just random people online. Why do I listen to them? Well, I can guarantee you at some point you've been convinced to buy something from somebody's Amazon storefront because you thought it was going to make your life 20 times better. You know, and maybe it will. Here's not to say that that green juice in the morning won't make your day. If that's something that you look forward to and it actually enhances your life, by all means, accredit that awesome creator and that's amazing that you found something that can enhance your routine. But I'm saying in most cases these people don't have the best intentions. So after I'd spiraled down this rabbit hole and I was looking stuff up, I looked up, you know, self-help guru. And the first results just to hone this point in is an article titled 10 Richest Self-Help Gurus. And I was a self-help guru and here's why you should not listen. And then the third article was from medium.com from The Mind Issue. I don't listen to toxic self-help gurus. Here's why you shouldn't either. And it basically talked about how it's all sort of a money scheme and everybody just wants to grow followers. Everybody just wants to become bigger online because that's the thing. And I'm not saying that everybody has bad intentions, but think about what they view as like a healthy person or successful person in these hooks like i was saying a lot of the titles are want to be successful want to be blank as if not only are you not in that place you're not good enough in some sort of capacity you're not where you want to be but that's what they think is perfect that's what they think some sort of version of success should be. You know, let's put it this way. I went down another rabbit hole while I was looking all this information up and Andrew Tate is labeled a self-help guru or 
just some sort of persona online that is trying to portray an image that they are genuine and they are helping other people with their advice. That's crazy. If you guys don't know who Andrew Tate is, he's a complete misogynistic person. He has no good intentions. He is insane. I don't support anything he says. I only watched a few videos of his, but he is what I call crazy. And the fact that he can be considered a self-help guru is insane. And then I saw another article from medium.com by Omar Itani. I highly suggest that you guys check these out. By the way, medium.com had amazing articles and it explains that Jay Shetty is a liar. And I, as an avid Jay Shetty listener, I was really confused. If you don't know who Jay Shetty is, he describes himself as an award-winning storyteller, podcaster, and former monk who is making wisdom go viral. He has several interviews with celebrities that are amazing to listen to. He shares what I thought were great words of advice. And yet, let me just preface that these, you know, this category of self-help gurus is different, but it's still toxic in a way because just a consistent stream of this content is bad for your mental health. And I'll explain that a little bit later, but he is on the softer side of the self-help guru spectrum. You know, there's Andrew Tate all the way to the left. And then you've got, you know, the Jay Shetties. You've got the soft girl who's trying to sell you a skincare product. You know, there are two sides of the spectrum, but their ultimate goals, I think, can be the same sometimes. It describes how the guy, this is a quote from the article about Jay Shetty, the guy literally stole quotes from famous writers, poets, and philosophers and claims them to be his own, and his fame was built on total fabrication. His guests, such as Nessa Barrett, Kim Kardashian, he's famous for his mindfulness practices, emotion-evoking interviews, and that's quote, end quote. <laughs> um, that's crazy to me. That's insane. You know, he is somebody I thought was very accredited, very trustworthy. I don't know. Maybe it's just because he said about his experiences as a monk. I firmly believe that he knew what he was talking about, that he understood what he was saying to these guests, what he was saying to me, what he was talking about. Just his persona was very calm. And that just proves that you can't listen to everything, you know, you're online. Who's to say I'm not a self-help guru? I mean, I'm not, but I, I guess, you know what? I could be in a way by giving advice, but you can trust that I'm not trying to sell you any program. I won't be doing that anytime soon. I have nothing to sell. I have no money. Maybe I should. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But this was just another test to how you can't believe everything you see online. I don't know if I'm the only one who saw this, but there's a video of Anne Hathaway on Ellen. And she put oranges under every guest seat. And when she went on the show... She told every guest to pick the orange out of her seat, and they did it. After they had picked up the orange, she instructed each guest to peel the orange, put the orange in their mouth, 
because it was supposed to do something, make some shape. I don't know what her intention was. And then she just goes and turns to the audience. Now you all just look like a bunch of idiots because that has no meaning. Don't listen to celebrities. That's a whole nother, you know, celebrities trying to do other things. You know, that's a whole nother situation. But that is just an example to show that do these people actually know what they're talking about or are they just famous? Are they just trying to sell you something? And these videos are convincing us that we need to do something else. And this gets into more the psychological side and the mental side. We see these videos. What's the first thing you think of? I need to do that. Or, hmm, maybe my cortisol levels are low. Maybe this will help. If you have a valid concern and they're giving you some sort of advice, for example, I was having really bad lower back pain before I got surgery, and I would see videos of physical therapists giving advice. That's different to me because when I'm consuming that, I'm thinking I actually have a problem that has been validated by a doctor and others, not saying that it has to be. And this person is giving me a stretch. I think I could try it. And you know what? It really helped. And I started doing that stretch that I saw online a lot. I, that's different than me, you know, sitting and scrolling on my phone and somebody convincing me that I'm not being mindful enough because I'm not journaling every day or I'm not building my brain by reading a certain amount of pages every day that I'm not being my best self and it just I think it causes more self-reflection and negative self-talk than we realize when we initially see this content I think the reason why we step away from social media and feel bad about ourselves is because that's inherently creating comparison. That's making you reflect and think they're doing this. They seem like they've got it all together, even though we don't know any of these creators. Maybe you do, but most likely you don't know them. And now it's causing us to doubt maybe ourselves and the way we live. For example, I got very caught up in the productive, fast-paced lifestyle, and I think I like to live my life that way, but at a certain point, I was like, enough is enough. I am burnt out, and it's been, what, a few weeks? That tends to happen when we're in school. Obviously, that's different because it's way easier to get burnt out with a lot of schoolwork piling up, but regardless... That I was convinced that that was the right lifestyle, partially because of myself, but also because of the content and, you know, the advice I was receiving on social media. Whether we are conscious of it or not, you're still listening to the audio. You're most likely watching it all the way through because I don't think people make videos on Instagram and TikTok that are that long. You're most likely watching it. And then you might, I don't think we're conscious of it most times. But now that I'm thinking to myself, something's wrong and I have to change, we're left with a decision. And, you know, most times you probably just keep scrolling and you still feel bad about what you just saw and you start comparing your life to the person online or you choose to go about this technique that's supposed to help you. And I was listening to The Psychology of Your 20s. If you don't listen to that podcast, 
I 10 out of 10 recommend, please go listen to it. And I was listening to her overthinking episode, which again, I highly recommend. And she described two different types of decision makers, the satisfier and the maximalist. The satisfier makes decisions that will satisfy the minimum requirements. For example, if I have to get a new job, right? This is the example she used, and I'm going to give her 100% credit because it was amazing. If I'm getting a new job, the satisfier, or I'm choosing between two jobs, a job in a field that I really want or a job that offers something in the field but a lot more money. The satisfier will go about this by saying what job fulfills the minimum requirements, you know, will it pay my rent, my bills? If both jobs will, great. The next sort of requirement on the list is like, will it make me happy? This job probably will, the one that's more tailored toward my field, and the other one, maybe not. They'll pick the decision that meets the minimum requirements and just be satisfied with what they have. The maximalist will take forever to make this decision because there's always the thought that there's something better. Overthinking is in our nature sometimes, and while it's not a diagnosis, it's not something that you can say, oh, you have overthinking, but it's a trait that some of us possess that is genetic to an extent. I was reading about it, and overthinking has to do with a lot of neurotransmitters like GABA, glutamate, neuroepinephrine um, that trigger this fight-or-flight response and some of our parasympathetic nervous system responses. But regardless, a maximalist will teeter-totter between these two ideas forever because they're stuck on the possibility that there could be something more. They want to maximize the opportunity. They want to make the most of whatever the decision is. Maybe this could be between life partners. You are deciding you're in a relationship, life partners. No, (laughs) you're in a relationship and you're trying to decide if you should date somebody and you're like, oh, what if there's somebody better out there? What if there's somebody more right for me out there? And, you know, yes, while that may be true, you can't control when you're going to meet that person. You can't, you have no way of knowing when that person is going to come, when you're going to meet that person, how you're going to meet that person. And the people who are satisfied decision makers, satisfier decision makers, they tend to live happier lives because they have more appreciation for what's in front of them and they are content with what they have. And I think that's what it comes down to when we are constantly looking at this content where we are trying to figure out whether there's something wrong with us or not. There's nothing wrong with you. There is absolutely nothing wrong. You are your best self right now because no matter if you did nothing all day or everything yesterday, you're still better than the person you were yesterday because we're constantly growing, evolving. There's no definition of our best selves. Yes, I can be stuck in a rut. And do I think that's my best self? Absolutely not. But I think what's more important is that all of these steps and products and solutions and advice that are throwing at you, they're just trying to fix you or fix a problem that's not even there. You might not need perfect skin. Like, yeah, everybody wants it, but you might not need to fix that. That might not be your prob- like a problem in your life. 
these quick fixes and unrealistic and sometimes most of the time unattainable solutions they're just trying to fix when we should be more focused on accepting and i think that's where i get most caught up in this self-help content i just don't it's easy for me to think that there's something wrong with me because i think that all the time already I struggle a lot with negative self-talk. I think we all do as we are, you know, entering our 20s, in our 20s. Because we're making a lot of decisions. We're entering new phases of our lives. I think pretty much almost every day we are faced with a million and one decisions because this is the bulk of these 10 years in our 20s is when we're trying to figure out where the rest of our life lies, where we think we're going to be in the next 20 years. Instead of trying to fix something, we should be just accepting where we are. We can have, of course, it's perfectly healthy to have goals. I have goals. I think everybody should write down their goals, strive to meet them as much as you can, make a plan. I'm a big advocate for writing down your goals, but it's different when this content is trying to convince you of a problem that doesn't exist. And the point of this episode is that I don't want you to think there's anything wrong with you or that you need to do something to make your life better. While some of these products and some of this advice may be very helpful, I think there's a lot of questions we need to ask and where we can go moving forward that can help make this content more helpful rather than promote this negative self-talk, overthinking spiral, etc. The first, I want us to just reflect on why are we on our phones in the first place? Is it because we're bored? Is it because we just needed a break from reality? Is it because we're actually looking for content and we are just scrolling? Whatever it may be, you know, reflect on why you're on your phone. If you're on your phone out of boredom and you're consuming this content and you're like, hmm, maybe I should go get a $20 wax, like whatever. I don't know. That was a bad example, but maybe I should get that really expensive treatment done. You know, that's different. I think that's you're on your phone out of boredom. It's impractical. There's, it's convincing you that something's wrong when you don't have to fix anything. It's just creating unnecessary solutions to something that a problem that does not exist. Whereas say I'm on my phone because I'm seeking a solution for a problem that I have. That's different because now you've taken time to reflect about the problem you've maybe validated it by talking to others and now you're looking for maybe a variety of solutions that could help you at home that's a different approach to the content that i think we should be taking and then the second question who is creating this content are they like a qualified physical therapist are they a qualified dermatologist are they a qualified orthopedic are they a qualified nutritionist are they a qualified registered dietitian i can go on and on and on all day but the point is do they have the right credibility to be giving you that advice or are they just trying to grow their instagram account i think everybody wants to be an influencer do i want to be an influencer absolutely not Do I love posting on Instagram? No, scares the fuck out of me. I don't want my face on anything. I'm already self-critical enough. I don't want to be an influencer. 
I just want to make a podcast that helps people. And if it gets big or whatever, I don't care. I really don't. I can do this for years and maybe one person listens. I don't care. I'm That's not my goal ever. But most of these people are, again, just trying to sell you something. And don't fall for, don't fall for anything because you're too good for it. You're, you're enough just the way you are today. You don't have to go out and do 20 million things. You don't have to be their version of success because everybody's version of healthy or success or any of these hooks is different. So that brings us to my third question. What does success healthy, any of those words that they're using in the taglines, what does that look like for them? You know, look on their page a little bit and then does that align with your goals? If yes, then I would take whatever advice they're throwing at you and maybe try to adapt it to your life because it can help you achieve a goal that they have achieved. If not, then I don't think this is the right person. And finally, if the advice they're giving is really big, you know, if it's a big step you have to take in your life, I would try and consult other people that know you before you take this advice. For example, all of the gratitude journaling I've been doing, I didn't, yes, it started online, but then I talked to my doctor about it and, you know, we decided together if it was right for me to do. I didn't want to do it because it was a trend because I did that once and it didn't work. I'm having a problem and I consulted somebody who actually knows me, who was qualified in the field, and they decided that it would be right for me. And you know what? It's really helped. And before when I started doing it in high school, it was because it was just one of those trends. The five-minute journal was a big trend. Everybody was doing it. And I just did it because I was like, maybe this will help me. Help me what? I hadn't even identified a problem. I just decided that I need help. I think that happens a lot too, a lot often, a lot, a lot often. I think that happens too often. We just decide that we need help when, again, there's just no problem to be fixed. And all of these quick solutions that are making it seem like you have momentary control over maybe a situation that requires some outside help or a situation that you might not have control of. It just, it doesn't help our healing because, again, it's just trying to convince us that we need to fix when we should be focusing on acceptance. And I think that's what I want everybody to take away from this today. Focus on accepting yourself where you are. Meet yourself where you are. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to change anything. You are perfect just the way you are. There's nobody on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok that is going to make you the best version of yourself because... The sooner you start accepting yourself where you are and show gratitude for what you do have, what you did accomplish in the day, the sooner you're going to find more contentness with your life. And I want to just emphasize what I said last episode about happiness. You know, these videos and advice columns and whatever, they're trying to portray this euphoric definition of happiness that's not realistic. We're not going to be elated every single day, but I want to just be content. I want to try and build a satisfier decision-making lifestyle. I don't think, even after my biggest accomplishments, I've ever sat down and was like, 
I'm satisfied with the work that and the decisions that I made today. And reflecting on what I've done each day, even though I can't do much and a lot of these reflections are really small, just having that written piece of paper that shows that, you know what, I got out of bed today. I went and got coffee. I read more than 10 pages in a row. I was finally able to go on a walk that was longer than X amount of time. Just having that written down, it makes me feel more appreciation for what I can do rather than downplaying what I can do. And that's a whole nother topic. If you want to hear about that, I suggest go listening to my last episode. But I just want to leave you with this quote about being satisfied with your life. I think I was talking to my best friend and I don't actually remember the quote, but it was talking about how, you know, a lot of times it's easy for us to be unsatisfied with our lives and seek this self-help content, you know? It's very easy for us to think that there's something wrong instead of flipping the switch and appreciating what we have and being satisfied. Yes, it's an emotion, but I think it's more so a choice. You can have not completed all your work, sure. Maybe that didn't happen today. I know yesterday I didn't study for my personal training certification as much as I wanted to, and I got upset. And then I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to choose to be satisfied. Being proud and content with your accomplishments for the day and your life choices and your lifestyle, I think that's the most self-help you can do in a day ever. I don't think any amount of quick solution is going to make you have a better life rather than doing tiny steps every day to help show appreciation for what you have. A lot of these, there's no quick fix. So I just want to leave with, you know, just try and have more appreciation for what you can do in the day instead of deciding to feel unsatisfied. And there are going to be rough days where, you know, it's hard to do it. Last night, I was just in a rut still. And I didn't want to do the gratitude journaling. I didn't want to. But I felt a lot better and pushed myself to write it down. So please don't fall for these quick fixes. Really reflect on what you need, your ideas of success, and move forward with being your best self in that way. And that is all I have for this episode. I really hope you guys are enjoying the Instagram content and, you know, the walk talks. I know they're kind of cringe or whatever, but I think it's really helping me cope with this whole recovery and being alone a lot of the time. So I really appreciate some love on those. And if you could share this, you know, with anyone who needs to hear it or just share in general, would really appreciate it. I am so thankful for this space and especially grateful for everybody who's listened, shown support. And I will see you guys next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening.